to um, uh, incredible. Many of you are very familiar with this passage. Some of you, it's a brand new passage for you. Uh, and and I w- we're going to read through the familiar parts uh, together. It won't be on the slides, but, but um, we're going to watch especially for a couple of verses that have absolutely everything to do with our passage for today. We're in Isaiah chapter 53. When you hear that, does that ring a bell at all for some of you? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. 800 years before the time of Christ, God said exactly what Jesus is going to do and what he's going to go through. And he fulfilled this scripture to, to the nth degree. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. Now he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. In fact, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shearers and silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression, judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, they made his grave with the wicked. And with a rich man in his death. Isn't that astounding to see point by point the fulfillment of this prophecy in Jesus? Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was, uh, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, and he shall prolong his days of prophecy of resurrection. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now look carefully, would you, for a moment. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. Wow. Let me say it again. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, speaking of Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you 
that he was the, the culmination of your perfect plan. And you knew that we would have to come to that place where we realized our need for you. And generation after generation, Lord, you watched with broken heart as we all, like sheep, went our own way, God, and wandered from the shepherd of our souls. Oh, God, call us back together. In the midst of our lostness, you gave us another shepherd. You gave us yourself in the flesh, walking among us, vulnerable to everything we are vulnerable to, yet without sin. You gave us Jesus. So in Jesus' name, we ask, O God, forgive us our sin. For there are many, God. Cleanse us, not of some, not of most, but of all our unrighteousness. It's so hard for me to wrap my brain around that, God, that somehow through Jesus I could be made righteous in your eyes. But that's what your word prophesied, and that's what Jesus fulfilled. So in Jesus' name, I receive this precious gift. In Jesus' name, we receive this precious gift. Amen? And and we're going to walk with our faces lifted high, God. We're going to walk with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Yes, knowing that there is a cross in our future, even as there was in his future. But, but believing your word, that through that path, we too shall, shall be resurrected. God... Wash over us even now. Would you open our hearts and minds to Jesus? And we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Oh, with joy, beloved, I again declare to you because of Jesus and in Jesus' name, your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Can I get an hallelujah? (laughs) Can I get a louder one? Hallelujah. Yes. Mm. Open the word again with me. In fact, would you stand with me for our gospel reading today? It is, go ahead and stand if you would. I got to practice Christianism here. Rise up. Rise up, church. We are in the gospel of Matthew. The gospel of Matthew chapter 3. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3. You're faster than I am in getting to it. Oh, it's a beautiful, uh, long passage. In in our small groups this week, we will look at the entirety of this passage, beginning at verse 1. But for right now, um, here, uh, 13 to 17. After after Jesus, uh, after John the Baptist was baptizing, I believe for six months in the River Jordan, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And, and that just absolutely rocks our world, doesn't it? That the sinless one came to a sinful person to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, right? And, and John understood that. John would have prevented him, Matthew tells us, saying, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? 
But Jesus answered him. You can hear Isaiah 53:11 in his answer. Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Remember, the righteous one makes those who come to him righteous. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John the Baptist consented. And look what happens. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and Maddie, behold, looky there, looky there, the heavens were open to him. I love the way Mark puts it. The heavens were torn asunder, were ripped open, right? And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The very word of God. Thank you, God. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, God, would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Keep your finger there for a second if you would. If you'd like to follow along, um, I have some sketchy notes in there for you just to help keep track of different things that you might miss. I love it when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you and all of a sudden you look up and the preacher is like half a mile down the road. You go, where did he just go? Um, it's much more important that, that as you hear the Word of God, you listen for the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But let me just say, uh, as I begin here for a second, and you look at the different Gospels, it's really hard to tell who saw the Holy Spirit uh, descend. In, was it Jesus? Was it John the Baptist? Different Gospels recording this story kind of give you a, a lean toward one or the other. I love it that right here in Matthew, we, we read, this is my beloved son. That sounds like John the Baptist hearing it, right? And yet the context for our Matthew verse seems like Jesus is the one who heard it. And if you look down in the notes, if you have a reference Bible, way down in my Bible, it's at the bottom of the page, uh, another way of translating those words, this is my beloved son, is this, my son, my beloved. Isn't that beautiful? Keep, just anchor that in the back of your mind, right? Because I'm going to ask you to take a leap with me today. I'm going to ask you who have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to believe that because he is in you, God's word to him is God's word to you. I got shiver just went down my spine as I thought about that. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is it possible that God could look at us and say to us, you are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. Is it possible? Yes. Right? Is it possible that I could do anything much less something, right, that could bring pleasure to God. I know the words come running fast and you don't realize what he's saying. He says, with whom I'm well pleased, right? Pleased, pleasure. Is it possible that somehow my life could bring God pleasure? We've looked at that before. I could bring God even joy. Would you borrow this for a second? And then we'll open God's word and, and I'll try and make a case for that. But I want to ask you to think 
for a moment, it could be possible. And if that were true, how would I want to live? How would I want to walk? Not just these 40 days, right? But how would I want to live in response? Because that's what the Christian life is. It's not about somehow earning uh, God's favor, right? Somehow earning righteousness by right behaviors, right? No, the, the right behaviors come out of joyful love and appreciation for what's already happened, what God has already done. And so, so we want to go back and tell the story again over these 40 days of, of Jesus and what he did for us. And we're going to begin today with this aspect of the baptism of Jesus, as confusing and, and even crazy as that is. Mm. The guiding questions that that I want to keep in the forefront of our minds today as we look at this amazing passage is this. How do we identify ourselves, right? How do we identify ourselves? Now, I'm hesitant to even use that expression because, it, because it's been kind of uh, taken to the nth degree. If you want to uh, identify as a gopher, you can identify as a gopher, right? Um, um, so it's been taken to the nth Degree, But all of us, uh, completely apart from that, all of us tend to have a picture in ourselves of who we are. Now, here's the problem. If that picture is distorted, right, we can carry that distorted picture our entire lives. The reason that we want to, to spend this Lenten season talking about identity is because it matters. Identity matters. Here is the great gift of God. Our identity is not something that we manufacture or come up with. It is given to us by our Creator, right? And it's always more beautiful than we could ever imagine. So, so, so real quickly, how do we identify ourselves? I, you know, I'm a guy. I tend to identify myself by, by what I do, right? I was assembling a piece of furniture last night, and, and, and Karen, knowing my incessant need for affirmation about my manliness, when I got done with building this little, this little thing, it took me two and a half hours, um, she said, you were the man. And I, I said, I felt a little bit like the Fonz or something, you know. Um, wow. And I, I'm so grateful for all my beautiful brides. Wonderful affirmation. Um, um, but God's affirmation is even greater, right? So, so big question for these 40 days. How do we identify ourselves? And, and, and then I want to ask this question that comes out today, especially how does God identify with us? You can see where I'm going to go with this in just a second. But how does God identify with us? Because a lot of what Jesus was doing right here in becoming flesh was identifying with us, right? I, I'm the God with you, right? Emmanuel, God with us, we saw in the Advent season not so many months ago, right? How does God identify with us? The next step, how does God identify us? We're going to anchor ourselves in that today. Slightly different than identifying with us. Now, what, what does God see when he looks at us? And then, 
then the, the question that comes back to us, will we identify with Jesus? Jesus left eternity of glory with the Father, right? Always existing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity past. He left that. As, as Paul tells us in Philippians, he, he set that aside, right? He emptied himself of that so that he could walk this earth exactly as you or I walk it, right? He has faced every trial, every temptation. He, he's faced everything that we face, right? He went before us in that. So the question for us is, will we identify with him, Right? From as simple as an ash cross on your forehead to a much more important, how do you live every day? When people see you, do they see someone who identifies with Jesus? Do they see someone becoming like Jesus? Because that's his plan A, right? He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father right now praying for us, interceding for us that we would be little Christ. We would be Christians, right? We would be the representation of Jesus in the world around us. Wow, these are some of the guiding questions, not just for today, but for, for our, our, our um, 40 days that we will be walking with Jesus toward the cross. But let me press pause for a second and go back with you for a second, because this is one huge story. It began in creation. There's elements in today that you can see in creation, all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2, right? There's elements today that you can see in Genesis 3. There's elements today that you can see in Revelation, right? There, this is one huge story, his story that he is inviting us into. So I want to just anchor ourselves as we begin today by saying, what is it that the, that the people of God yearned for, right? In the past tense, yearned. In the present tense, yearned for now. Oh my goodness, I'm so, I've said this repeatedly, I'm just so astounded at how Isaiah is such a compliment to, to the New Testament. Isaiah, God through Isaiah told us everything that would happen. And in Isaiah 64, verse 1, it's an incredible passage that goes on for about 11 verses that just fits exactly in with today. But I want you to see and hear the people of, of God. Oh God, are you up there? Tear open the heavens. Rend the heavens. And come down. Come down. I'm so tired of feeling so far from you. I feel like there's, there's something between me and you. Would you rip it apart? Would you tear it open? Would you, God, uh, allow me to see you? This, this rending of the heavens, I think, is, is, is at least twofold, probably multiple fold, but... But in that, I think the people of God yearned for God to cross the divide between creator and creation, right? We are each image bearers of the living God. We were created in his image. But but sometimes we feel so far. It leaves this deep-seated hunger to to know how did how do we put it in our uh, Christian community class to to know and be known right to love and be loved to to celebrate and be celebrated to serve and be served can you hear all these words in Jesus right don't they describe Jesus they long for the Creator to cross that that 
divide between creation and the Creator. And that's what Jesus did in the incarnation. Sorry for that long word, incarnation. When, when Jesus became a little baby, when he became flesh and dwelt among us, he crossed that divide for the first time. In history, God became flesh and dwelt among us. But at the same time, I think the people of God ache for God to cross this chasm of sin. right? Because yes, God became flesh and dwelt among us. God provided a way for us to be in right relationship, word righteousness, right? In right relationship with him, but then we sin. And, and, and sin didn't break the reality of what God has done for us. Sin didn't rob us of, as, and, and, and there are people that believe this, didn't rob us of our salvation. It just robbed us of the intimacy that we so hungered for with God. It, it, it broke the, the um, relationship that we were experiencing with God. And so not only did we want God to bridge this chasm between creator and creation, but, but also to bridge this chasm of sin to come from his place of holiness, set apartness to our place of sin, right? Which tore apart our fellowship with him. Oh, God, tear open the heavens again, right? They become real for us. God with us, overcoming the brokenness of creation, overcoming sin. Hmm. We decided that somehow God would do this in a way that would not tarnish his holiness, right? His perfection, because we're not trying to bring God down to our level, but at the same time would cleanse us of our brokenness, our impurity, our sin, We needed some way to make us right again with the living God. And Jesus' baptism, here's a step of faith. Jesus' baptism represented God crossing the divide. Now, in your Sunday school classes and your small groups this week, you'll wrestle with that, right? Why, again, did Jesus, who was without sin... Uh, submit to a baptism for repentance of sin, right? Because it wasn't just in the garden when Jesus took on our sin. His whole ministry, he took on our brokenness. And and here, to the absolute astoundment, is that a word, of of John the Baptist, Um, Jesus comes to him to identify with you and me, right? To, To identify with our brokenness, right? Wow. Jesus' baptism represented God crossing that divide. Keep in mind, um, Um, And we see this in the Great Commission, that though it does not matter how you are baptized, the the word uh, baptizo, or we translate it to English baptism, means immersion, right? And and the Apostle Paul rightly notes that it can represent um, death. 
and, and then coming out of the water, rising again, right? In the Great Commission, it represents total immersion into the nature and character of who God is, right? It's so beautiful that right here at the beginning, Jesus is 30 years old. John the Baptist is six months older than him. John the Baptist has been preparing the way for six months for Jesus, and now Jesus is inaugurating his ministry here on earth by identifying with the likes of you and me. So why was Jesus baptized, right? Why was he baptized? The Apostle Paul, writing, gosh, um, 50 years later, said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might, here it is again, remember in Isaiah 53:11, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus' baptism represents his total identification with the people that he came to save. He took on our sin. And this wasn't just for three hours on the cross. His whole ministry involved his taking our place. Do you remember? Uh, let's see, where is that? Um, John, the Gospel of John, recounting this same thing adds a dimension uh, that Matthew did not record. Uh, John records uh, John, uh, the apostle records John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God, help me, who... Oh my goodness, right? Right there. Right there at the baptism of Jesus. Right there at the inauguration of Jesus' ministry uh, on earth. For 30 years he has waited patiently for this time. But right there at the beginning, John the Baptist says, he came to take on the sins of the world, right? That's why he came. So it represents this total identification with us, the people that he came to save. But John, uh, Jesus arrived at the Jordan also to reveal his full identification with both us as sinners and his Holy Father, right? He has brought brokenness and holiness together. And as Jesus would reiterate in several parables and several experiences that he has, holiness is not discredited or, or um, soiled somehow by sinfulness, right? Instead, holiness makes sinners whole. Sorry to play with words on you here, right? Holiness transforms sin, not the other way. And the Pharisees did not get that. They did not get that. They spent their lives trying to avoid broken people. And, and, and Jesus came for broken people. And as a broken person, I'm eternally grateful for that. I'm eternally grateful. But did you notice what happened when, when Jesus was baptized, right? I think three things we can point to happened right there. The heavens were torn open, right? And again, in the Gospel of Mark, he uses that same word, rend, right, from Isaiah 64.1, right? It's, the Greek word for it is schizo. Do you remember that when you were in middle school, right? Um, schizo, and it, and it means torn. It means divided. And, and, and in psychological terms, it means someone who's, whose mind has become divided, right, or whose mind has been torn uh, asunder, but but 
what what happened was Jesus looked up for the first time. This is totally Dave right here. Um, for the first time in 30 years, right? Looked up and 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 the heavens were open to him. Can you imagine what that was like for Jesus? A couple of you were laughing before the service about dogs and how dogs. Uh, was it you, Chad, that was saying? You, yeah, just if you want to love your dog, just come in and out of the door over and over again. Each time you come in, it's like, huh? right? he's back. Right? He's back. I'm almost like tempted to put him out just so I can have that joy of seeing them come back in, right? But 30 years. Hmm. You know, some of you have gone longer than that and felt like the heavens were closed so first thing that happened was the heavens were torn asunder. We'll see that again at the conclusion of Jesus' ministry. But the second thing, that there was this visible evidence of, and I want to say like a dove, the Holy Spirit like a dove. Oh my goodness, in your personal study, just chase that down. A hint, look up Jonah, the meaning of the name Jonah. Like a dove descending on Jesus. So, so there was for John the Baptist, there was that affirmation, yes, this is the Messiah, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. For Jesus, who laid aside his glory for those 30 years, for those, ended up being 33 years, uh, the Holy Spirit descending on him, this incredible reunion. Um, I'm not going to go and say that he wasn't without the Holy Spirit that entire time. All I know is he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And now the Holy Spirit is reunited with Jesus. And I want to camp on that word remained on Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would often descend, but it would never remain. And I think that Matthew wanted us to understand that distinction. It wasn't just another uh, Samson kind of thing where the Holy Spirit came upon him. It was it was this gift of the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. Thinking back to Christmas and, and incarnation, the Spirit found in the man. Yes, I know he was completely God, but he was also completely man. In the man, Jesus, the Holy Spirit found a suitable home. Right? Wow. The heavens were torn open. The Holy Spirit visibly descended and remained on Jesus. And the Father's voice was heard, right? I think, I was scrambling this morning just trying to nail them down. I think there's only three times in the New Testament when God's voice is audibly heard. This was the first one, right? Uh, at, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. God's voice is audibly heard. He says something very similar to what he says today. And there was a time when Jesus was ready to go to the cross. And, and he said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son. Glorify your son. And, and God says to Jesus, I have and I will. Precious daughter of God. Precious child of God. You can't do this yourself, but you can cry out, God, I want you to be glorified in my life. Again, because you've invited Jesus into your life, God's words to Jesus are his words to you. I have, I have, 
and I will, I will. Come back with me now to the first time that God's voice was audibly heard. What did he say? Right? He said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. I love you, Jesus. And if it's true, again, I can't can't speak for you daughters, but if it's true that, that most, if not every man, desperately desires to hear his father say, I love you, some of you went your whole lives and never heard that. Some of you daughters went your whole life and never heard that. What a gift from, from Jesus' heavenly Father for him to say, I love you. You are my beloved son. And as we intimated earlier in the service, if that were not enough, right? Not only, because my dad had to love me, Right? I'm his son, right? There's an there's obligation part of that, right? He sure didn't have to be pleased with me, right? Maybe, I don't know, can't go there without losing it, so I'm not going to go there. My Heavenly Father says, I'm, says to Jesus, I am well pleased with you. Well done. Well done. Now, this is before the cross. This is before the ultimate test. This is even before the temptation in the wilderness that we'll look at in a couple of weeks, right? Um, this is before, this is, this is God saying right here at the beginning of his ministry, it's not what you are going to do that makes me love you. It's not what you're going to do that makes me pleased or not pleased. I am pleased with you. I do love you. And the reason I'm camping on this this morning is at the beginning of our 40-day journey. I want you to know that that's how God feels about you. He loves you. He's pleased with you. Come on, Pastor Dave, how can you say a blanket statement like that? Come on up, worship team, if you would. How do you make a blanket statement like that? Uh, He's not pleased... My grandchildren don't always do everything like I'd like them to do, right? I graciously left my children out of it uh, for the moment. Uh, uh, <laughs> my beautiful children. I know, because they're here and they can get me in trouble. Um, does that change? That doesn't change my pleasure. Oh, my goodness. When they come running across the room and they slam the door. When... when <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It has nothing to do with either my love for them or my pleasure in them. So would you borrow this from me for just a moment as we begin our journey together today? Would you borrow this from me? Uh, you are loved of your Heavenly Father. And He is pleased with you. The goal is, is not to try and earn those things. You already have them. The goal is now to live in light of them. So our final question, right? What is it that you yearn for today? I know we probably have a lot of different things that come to mind, but I'm wondering if, if it's not true for us what was true for the people of God from the beginning until now, 
if, if what, is, what we yearn for is, is intimacy with God, right? To be close to God, to, to hear God say to us, right? You are my beloved child. To hear him say, I'm so pleased with you. I want to invite you on a journey of drinking deep of your belovedness, of drinking deep of the joy that you bring your Heavenly Father. And maybe, just maybe, as we find our identity in Him, then we'll find all that we need for this life. God, thank you for this incredible opportunity to hear Jesus say to us, I choose you. I choose you. Come, follow me. And God, would you grant in these, in these 40 days that, that we could, like we did with the master's money, we could have a little experiment here saying, what would it look like to follow you with our whole hearts these 40 days? Oh, God, we commit this season of Lent to you in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite the worship team to come up. They refused to come up on stage like I asked them to a minute ago, probably because they're smarter than me and they realize um, while they're serving us by leading us in worship, um, we want to start with them. Would you come, worship team, for just a second? Team, is it your desire to follow hard after Jesus these 40 days? Oh, my goodness. May the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you, Miranda. Mm. Beth, is it your desire to follow hard after Jesus? Yeah, okay, I was waiting for an answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you, Beth. Mm. Micah, is it your desire to follow Jesus these 40 days? Yes. It's going to be so much fun, Micah, on the other side of this. I mean... What can happen in 40 days? Oh, my goodness. Blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you. Michael, is it your desire to follow hard after Jesus these 40 days? Yes. It's such a joy to watch you following him. He's answered a lot of prayers, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you, Michael. Been many years, hasn't it, brother? Yeah. Decades. No. That we follow Jesus together. Mm-hmm. Is it your desire to follow hard after Jesus these 40 days? Yes. Blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you. Michael, in Jesus' name. Goodness. <laughs> Many decades. Mm-hmm. Not done yet, huh? Mm-hmm. No, he's not. No, he's not. We follow hard after Jesus these days, Kristen, would you? Yeah. Um, glory to you, Jesus. The blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you, Kristen. What a privilege, brother, to serve Jesus with you. I hope you feel the Father's belovedness. I hope you feel my belovedness. I'm so pleased with you. Blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you, Jordan. In Jesus' name. Thank you.
Uh, there's three of us. So, so um, as we worship, uh, if you would like to come and, and just like Jesus inaugurated his ministry with the baptism, inaugurate these 40 days with the sign of the cross. You can choose any aisle. You choose any person you choose. I uh, just invite you to come now for all is ready.